5: tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, we drive down on the first man who is inside. Pullback, we tell him to take the first man outside the offensive tackle. No one shows. He goes right by them and feels inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.
6: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. And we've actually got a special guest coming on tonight, so we're going to cut straight to the chase. We've got our favorite Packers insider, Mr. Paul Brettel, on the line with us tonight. Paul, how are you doing, pal?
4: I'm doing excellent. Always happy to talk Packers with you, Clayton. And I got to say, that intro video gives me goosebumps watching that.
6: (laughs) It's pretty cool, right? We we actually found that. There is a – a YouTube channel called spread offense. And I think they've got a website called spreadoffense.com. And I've seen that video that they spliced together and actually marked on the screen and I was like, hey, how, would you guys mind if I put that in my intro? And they're like, dude, we would love it. So <laughs> that's how it came about. I would love to take credit for creating that, but I didn't. <laughs> it was those awesome people over at spreadoffense.com. But, uh, yeah, so I want to ask you a question, Paul, before yeah. we get into some Packers talking. it just hit me. I'm already off cuff. You're going, oh, God, what is, what's he going to ask? Oh, let's do it. What is your, like, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're coming up the night before the game, right? And we got our first preseason game. What's the night before a game normally look like for you? Let's and it can even be regular season because you know I, I know you've got some press uh, uh, press pass and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. kind of what's the night before look like for you?
4: Uh, honestly, the night before is probably the the quietest part of the week for me. Believe it or not, because any sort of the the pregame analysis and looking ahead to matchups and all that stuff has been done at this point for me. Um, the day before, you know, if it's a Sunday game, regular season Saturday, there isn't any media availability so you know we're not talking with the floor we're not in the locker room anything like that so honestly the day before is usually the quietest part and uh, (laughs) I'll work on either I do like a final thoughts article that I post the morning of each game Um, but other than that you know I'm guessing or I feel like that might be the opposite of what you'd think but up until that point I've been knocking out everything I need to and now we just kind of wait for the game to start and everything
6: we're going to talk about and watch. That's awesome. It's kind of the calm before the storm, right? Yeah, I love it. I love it. First of all, we got a, a super chat from Mike Hebering. Mike, thank you so much for the support, buddy. We appreciate you. And we got Dakota here in the chat. Just want to read these off real quick. He says, "Woo, excited I to hear from Paul We got, we got a, we're going to start a a Paul Bredel fan club, is what we're going <laughs> to do. But anyway, let's do this. We're going to get you out of here quick tonight. I know you got <laughs> stuff to do, Paul. Um, you know, I kind of chatted with you offline and, and just had three questions that were. I don't know. It was just on the forefront of my mind. Like, I wonder how mm-hmm. Paul feels about these three things. Right. And let's just get right into the first one. Uh, the first question really being about Jordan Love. I mean, he's the talk of camp. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, and, and what I'd ask you is, you know, a couple weeks into camp, how do you feel jo- Jordan Love is progressing? Maybe what's one strength and one weakness if those two things kind of pop out to you, Paul? Mm-hmm. Um, how are we feeling about Jordan Love? Because, like I said, we're, we're roughly two weeks into camp, about to go into our first preseason game. Seems like he's creating uh, momentum, but mm-hmm. sometimes us at a distance are so starved for football, we're, we're kind of mm-hmm. you know missing the, the forest for the trees, if you will. But uh, how, how are you feeling about Jordan so far?
4: Yeah, I, there's definitely still up and downs. There's throws pretty much every practice, you know, maybe one or two, that he would definitely like to have back. But what I will say, the good stretches of football – Seem to be becoming more consistent and a little bit longer. I look back at the family night game uh, last Saturday as I've, what I feel like uh, an example that kind of encapsulates what we've seen recently, where at the start of the game, there was some misthrows. I mean, there was that deep crosser to Musgrave, he should have hit. There was Musgrave down the seam, it might've been the very next play or two plays later, like gotta hit that. Um, Romeo Dobbs down the right sidelines had a step on Jair. Uh, right. wasn't able to connect like those are throws he should make and Matt LaFleur even said afterwards there's probably a little a little adrenaline a little extra juice going through love at that time but he started to really settle in and he took what the defense gave him took what was available and the offense was able to create some big play opportunities from it as well you know during the two-minute drill on a very similar crosser that he missed Musgrave on earlier connected for a big gain uh, there was a catch and run opportunity on a slant to Christian Watson for about 15, 20 yards, if I recall. And then from about the 21 yard line, uh, a, a really nice pass to Watson in the corner of the end zone. Uh, Corey Ballantyne was in very good coverage as a well placed ball and a really good contested catch by Watson. So to me, that kind of encapsulates a little bit more of what we're seeing where there's been, you know, some, again, some throws he, you'd hope to see him make or some that he'd like to have back, but uh, being able to, Know take what's there from the defense. And then that game was that practice, I should say, was really good from the standpoint of we saw some explosive plays being generated. In terms of you know what's stood out and uh, you know, a strength, so to speak, him and the offense as a whole has been really, really good. And I think they've been at their best when they're attacking the middle of the field. And you there know, that's <laughs> that's gonna be one of the big differences that we're gonna see from jordan love under sender versus aaron Rodgers. like obviously i could be proven wrong but I, when we get to week one i'm not expecting this to look like this completely different offense that we've seen from past years you know the the bones of it are there and what we're going to see but as we know aaron Rodgers wasn't a a big attacker of the middle of the field but that's an important part of the fleur offense uh, dusty evely writes for g tv and packer report he crunched all the numbers he went back to 2019 and between 2019 and last season Jimmy Garoppolo of the Niners of course attacked the middle of the field the most of any quarterback in football during that span about 60% of his time i just looked at Brock Purdy's sample size and he was right at about that 60% too as well so we know the fleur offense stems from that Shanahan system so it's going to be a big part of it and the Packers have that speed: Watson, Reed, Musgrave. It gets those guys in space, catching the ball on the run, setting up yards after the catch opportunities. You know, hopefully you're not, or you know, hopefully that takes a little bit of the playmaking burden off of Love and allows those guys to pick up Yak and generate those explosive plays, which is a little bit of what I just mentioned with the slant to uh, Christian Watson and the pass to Musgrave across the middle. So, the the offense as a whole, Love in particular, they've been doing a really good job there. Um, area to improve upon, I would say it's just the the consistency with the deep ball. They've been able to definitely connect on a few of them, but overthrows as well um, has been pretty consistent as well on those deep passes. And I'm sure to a degree it's, you know, love still learning those receivers. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm I'm guessing anyways, coming into this offseason, there wasn't a ton of time that those him, Dobbs, Watson had spent connecting in practice. So I think that's a part of it, obviously, as well. He's a first-time starting quarterback, so I'm sure that plays a factor as well. But, again, this isn't to say they haven't been able to connect. I'm sure we all saw that video today from <laughs> Packers, uh, oh, yeah. Twitter account of that connection to Dobbs, but he's missed a few as well. So, you know, that's one of the areas that stands out in terms of what, you know, an, an area where they can, can improve upon, you know, looking ahead to the Bengals game, uh, a big thing. And I wrote this in an article, like, what am I watching for? I think right now it's just protecting the ball, not getting turnovers and not even, you know, throwing turnover worthy passes. The Packers I believe are 33 and three under Matt Lafleur when they win the turnover battle. Wow. Um, so obviously that's really important. You add a young offense, like, you know, when, the 2020 version of the Packers, Aaron Rodgers and that offense, obviously they're probably more likely to overcome a turnover deficit than what this offense will be at least early on. And, and, you know, speculating of course, but, so I think that's going to be a big thing is tomorrow. How does he do in those, what sounds like few series he's going to play in
6: protecting the ball. Gotcha. Good stuff. Good stuff. And the, the only other question, it can just be, Yes. No. Just a short answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you say you've seen him overthrowing, have, would you say there's been more overthrows on deep passes or underthrows?
4: Um, from my recollection, I would say overthrows.
6: Great. I, that's what I want to hear as a fan, mm-hmm. right? It's like if you're gonna miss, yep. miss out there, right? <laughs> but the
4: defender isn't.
6: <laughs> Absolutely. Good stuff. Let's get on to the uh, the second question here, Paul. Um, how do you feel about this defensive uh, front seven? You know, who's him impressed the most? Uh, maybe who hasn't, um, you know. I want to give you a window there to to talk about the negative too. However, man, when I everything I'm seeing, I'm, it's it seems like this defensive front's been pretty impressive from from the the big boys up front to the to the linebackers there. You know, just that whole front seven, how they like to the mug that A and B gap with Quay. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, man, I'm I'm getting really excited about seeing uh, seeing this defensive front play. What what stood out to you there?
4: Yeah, I definitely am as well, and I you know, I I need to revert back to the mindset of, especially against the run. Hey, you guys got to show me in the regular season when it matters, but I've been really impressed with the play of the defensive line. Uh, TJ Slayton has, uh, been really, really good. He's been given, he's been, he's been putting Josh Myers, uh, you know, through the ringer a little bit through these practices. Um, Wyatt looks like he's just, he's poised to make that, you know, year two leap that we often talk about with second year players. Uh, those flashes that we saw earlier in camp specifically as a pass rusher are just becoming so much more consistent Uh, when he bursts through the backfield he does so so quickly Uh, it's been really impressive and then carl brooks fifth round rookie has strung together some really impressive practices over the last week and colby wooden cemented himself as the the fourth edge rusher or excuse me uh, interior defensive lineman in that rotation Um, there's just been a consistent push as a whole as an as a interior defensive line unit, the offense, for the most part, has really uh, not generated too many big runs running between the tackles, um, which, of course, is great to see. And I, I think I talked about this on last week's show, how that unit just looks so much faster uh, with Wyatt taking on a larger role, the addition of Wooden and Brooks. And, you know, like I said, going back to that Brandon Staley defense, which Joe Barry was brought here to run, you know, Brandon Staley said it's important that we have Gap penetrators versus the Lancaster's and Lowry's who are space cloggers, and you know are meant to eat up space. Okay. And one, you know, benefit of having a T.J. Slayton, for example, in the middle is that means Kenny Clark's not in the middle. He's he was actually, and you know, we take it with a grain of salt, but he was listed on the depth chart as a defensive end when most of his snaps throughout of his throughout his career here in Green Bay have come you know, in those A gaps, in, in those B gaps. So what that does is it means more one-on-one opportunities for Kenny Clark. And well, that's always a good thing. Oh, uh, so I've been really impressed with that group. Um, from the the clips and stuff I saw yesterday uh, on Twitter, it looked like they did really well uh, in some of those one-on-one drills going against the Bengals offensive line. And yeah. the the I know I'm not terribly familiar with the Bengals depth chart by any means, but I know that they got a, a pretty stout starting unit anyway. So promising to see, but again, they'll have to carry that momentum into the regular season. At edge rusher, <clears throat> been really impressed with Lucas Van Ness so far. Ah, the, the speed, so the power is evident. Like you, you just see it from him. Uh, there drove Yash Naiman into the backfield. There's one where he just bullied Josiah DeGore into the backfield, and he's been there's been several uh, run defense reps where I've been really impressed with him as well. Because you know, we think of his skill set, even his position as edge rusher, we think about getting sacks and pressures, but right. that group has to perform well against the run, too. And he's had several reps where he's done a really good job of uh, setting the edge, forcing the ball carrier inside. Or even on play actions like not necessarily just darting in a straight line towards the quarterback right away and losing contain but you know identifying the quarterback got the ball does the running back got the ball and then going from there so been really impressed with him and then to the linebackers uh devondre campbell quay walker they've just been steady i i've i've noticed scrolling through twitter there aren't a ton of you know tweets about stuff that they've done but it's just because they're they're just they're just solid they're just they're just doing what they're supposed to filling gaps at the line of scrimmage flowing sideline to sideline You know, if the ball comes over the middle to their area, they're pretty close by that maybe they're not making plays on the ball, but they're limiting yards after the catch opportunity. So I've been really impressed with that front seven as a whole. You know, Jerry Montgomery, run game coordinator, said, you know, we focus on the interior defensive line when it comes to stopping the run, but it takes that entire unit to be better in that capacity. Um, There really isn't, and, and I'm not trying to be a homer by any means, but there's nothing that, like, leaps out as, you know, as, as, as an evident weakness. And that doesn't mean that there aren't any, I think the biggest thing right now is just being able to take what they've done in practice and do it when it matters during the regular season. But this edge rusher rotation is, is a lot deeper than what it was a year ago. I remember it being one of the bigger concerns that I had going into the season. And unfortunately when we Gary got injured, you know, we, we saw the effects of that. What I will say is, cause I know he's a name on the minds of a lot of individuals is Brenton Cox. Uh, undrafted rookie out of Florida. You know he's been pretty much with the third team defense the entire training camp up to this point, and there really haven't been a ton of those flash plays. Um, there, you know, there just haven't been. Um, okay. And in a crowded edge rusher room, it's going to be, you know, interesting to see because keeping six edge rushers—that's a lot. That's a that lot is. of. That's a lot of guys to keep. And you know, I, I was pontificating before training camp began, like could they? put Brenton Cox on the roster, kind of like what they did with Caleb Jones last year. I know he started on the practice squad, but he spent most of the year on the 53 in a developmental role. Like, could they take a swing with him in that capacity uh, if they're fearful that a team's going to take him off the practice squad? But the only player from that group that I could see being unseated is Justin Hollins. And the reason being because from a cap perspective, he's not a roster lock. I think it's like 155,000 in dead cap if they release him. But he spent a lot of time with the ones he's on the field uh, with a few of the different starting special teams units. He was solid here last year. And the pass rush coordinator, Jason Rebervich, said that almost immediately he took on a leadership role in that room, you know, joining the team halfway through the season. So I'm, I'm, if there was going to be someone that Cox replaced, if they weren't going to keep six, to me, that's where it is. You know, you're a team in a transition year, you take the high upside, rookie on the back end of the roster versus the veteran at a what looks like on paper deep position group who's going to play a rotational role for one season. Like in that sense of thinking through it, you know, it might make more sense. But again, based on how Hollins has been utilized um, again with the ones on special teams, I just have a hard time seeing him not being on the roster right now.
6: Yeah, it's so tough. We talked about it the other day and um and we were, you know, talking about that six. It's like, okay, well, you know, if Gary starts on the pup, then we think Brenton Cox makes this roster. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, here comes Gary off the pup and it's going, uh oh. (laughs) Let's, Let's see what happens now. But uh yeah, it's it's always that that tough game you're playing, you know, trying to keep uh trying to keep um other teams from poaching your practice squad, obviously. So uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, good stuff. Let's move on to the final question here, Paul. I could talk to you all night, man. I (laughs) appreciate that. Third cat or third, uh, third question, final one. Um, Let's call it the pass catching uh, progress report. All right. How do you, Mm -hmm. how do you see the receivers and tight ends? Like how are they looking as a whole and maybe who is in, has most impressed you there? Uh, from each of those two positions you know maybe what's what's the one receiver that you go man they've had a fantastic camp and maybe the same thing with tight ends i know we're getting really excited about luke musgrave and i got to yeah. be completely honest i did not expect luke musgrave to occupy that number one on the depth chart right off the bat and mm-hmm. hold on to it it seems like he's really holding on strong and especially with the depth chart releasing and DeGuara kind of sliding the fullback, it seems like we are going to go to some of that San Francisco 21 personnel. But how do you see in this uh, receiver tight end group now two weeks in the camp?
4: Yeah, the the we'll start with the tight end group. Yeah, Musgrave, he's been he's been basically a day one starter going back to OTAs. Like He's going to play a big role in this offense, and it's easy to see why. I'm sure many of you have seen like the clips of him on the practice field. That size, that speed that he brings to the position, he's just – such a matchup problem, and I think we're going to see a lot of them uh, lined up on the boundary as well, not just playing in line or in the slot. I was looking up these numbers on PFF, and uh, Robert Tunyon actually 20% of his snaps last season, or roughly around that figure, came lined up on the boundary. So we're going to see a Musgrave out there. There's one rep from practice that stands out in my mind where he was against Corey Ballantyne on the boundary, uh, had a step or two on him down the sideline, like. He's, he's just uh, – Matt, Matt Lafleur said it best. He's different. He's just different than the type of tight ends they've had here. Um, in terms of like many young pass catchers or many young tight ends specifically, you know, consistency. There have been some drop passes. Um, on top of that, in the blocking game, it's got to be an area that he's going to improve. You know, his biggest impact is going to come in the passing game for the reasons mentioned, the big playability, but also the opportunity he creates for others. Like when you have that skill set on the field, Oh, it's going to create better spacing for others to operate. The attention that he draws is going to create other opportunities for others. So, but where he's going to have to improve is the blocking had the chance to talk to him in the locker room about that. And he, you know, because Matt LaFleur said tight ends the second most difficult position on offense to transition to after quarterback and Musgrave said the biggest thing for him has been the blocking transition. So, you see the potential, but we've also seen the ups and downs with it as well. As far as Tucker Kraft goes, I thought family night was hands down his best practice so far. Uh threw a couple key blocks that opened up running lanes. Uh, ha- we saw his uh, yard after the catch ability, which he did a ton of at South Dakota State, caught one ball uh, in the flat and was able to turn it up field for some yards after the catch, made a red zone catch, a contested catch. So, Hands down, his best practice. Uh, He was third on the Packers depth chart behind Musgrave and behind Tyler Davis. And based on what I've seen in practice, to me, that tracks because Musgrave's the pass catcher. And Tyler Davis, to me, has been the most consistent blocker at the tight end position. So, again, that isn't to say he's not going to see playing time. He's going to be a big part of this offense. All three of those guys are. But again, it's about the consistency of it. But he's someone who's been picking up some momentum as of late. Switching over to receiver, <clears throat> Christian w- Watson and Romeo Dobbs—they you know, both look like they're taking the, again that that year two leap. You know, Matt Lafleur talked about how uh, Christian Watson's playing so much faster. Romeo Dobbs, in the locker room after one practice, said you know he's playing faster as well. You get into year two, you're comfortable with the system. You know your responsibilities. You know the responsibilities of everyone around you. And again, there's less thinking, and you're just out there reacting and playing, and that's what we want football players to do. So both look like they've taken those steps. I think it was uh, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus was at the joint practice, and he basically said uh, Romeo was open all day. And (laughs) Romeo's route-running ability, Matt Lafleur said it, he doesn't there's refinement that's needed i'll add that caveat but he doesn't think there's a route that romeo can't run and then with christian watson what we're seeing is not only is he taking on a larger responsibility in terms of you know snap counts and targets because he's wide receiver one but he's being asked to do so much more uh, moving around the formation uh, running a greater variety of routes and that's creating mismatches You know, we saw that, I'm sure many saw that clip yesterday where he's running a crossing route and he's got a linebacker in coverage on him. You know, that's from that pre-snap movement and, you know, asking him to do different things than we saw a year ago. It's easy to see his speed, the plays he made last year, and just think about being a boundary guy who's going to go downfield and get the ball. And he's going to do that. But his role in this offense is really going to expand. Matt LeFleur talked about how he's just one of the smartest football players he's been around uh, at the receiver position. And so he's been, to me, really, really impressive in that regard just because of just how, how much else he's being asked to do um, and making plays with that. And obviously that's going to create opportunities for him and everyone else in the offense.
6: Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, we actually broke down the play you were talking about with Christian Watson on the backer, and, and when we slowed it down, Luke Musgrave was in the boundary X and then you had Tucker craft in that bunch set. Um, and what's crazy is that's, I mean, it's technically, you know, 12 personnel, but you've got one of those two tied ends stretching the field. So they had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Are we going to put that corner on Musgrave or are we going to put them on Christian Watson? And then at that point for Jordan love, it's simply okay. They got the they got the linebacker on Christian on this little uh, this little drag shallow cross. Let's just let him run away from him, right? It's pretty exciting stuff.
4: You, oh. you want to talk about mismatches? Put my, when we're going to see Musgrave on the boundary and then Christian Watson lined up in the slot. I mean, oh man, the <laughs> speed, coming. the size, the defenses they're going to have to contend with.
6: Uh, yeah, and let's just narrow, let's air that thing out every chance we get. <laughs> Why not? Everybody's got us picked to pick the, to finish <laughs> dead last anyway, right? Let's let's just go out there and have yeah, see what ball. we can do. love it. Paul, I can't thank you enough. Uh, First of all, I want to say this, uh, you know, uh, great article you wrote this morning, you know, and, and for those of you who haven't checked it out, go check it out. Go to his Twitter page. It's at Paul underscore Brettel. And I uh, wrote a really cool article on what to what to watch for tomorrow mm. night in each position. I love those types. Your article is perfect for someone like me. It's not wordy. You don't use these words I can't pronounce. People hear my <laughs> accent and they go, that guy is not educated," And they are correct. I read your articles and I, they're just straight to the point. I absolutely love them. But uh, appreciate uh, like that. I said, Paul writes at uh, PackersWire.com, Dairyland Express. Again, follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel. Paul, thank you so much for your time. And we really appreciate it.
4: Hey, appreciate it, Clayton. Always happy to jump on talk
6: Packers. Awesome. Have a great night, buddy. You as well. All right. All right. That was Paul Brettle. Man, I love that guy. That dude is is awesome. Absolutely awesome. I'm telling you, he how he doesn't have more followers on Twitter is beyond me because he just does an amazing, amazing job. We're going to bring Jacob in now from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Jacob, how you doing, Buff? I'm good. Do is I, that not good stuff, man? That was great. That was uh, – Paul is becoming
3: one of my uh, – Quick favorites, my go tos. Like I just copy and paste whatever that guy posts because it's the truth. Yes, yeah, what it absolutely. is.
6: Absolutely, we. Oh, looks like we got Tim from Green Bay on the line as well. Tim, how you doing, bud? Hey guys, how's it going? Oh, What's we're up, doing Tim? good, man. Doing great. Just uh, sitting here picking Paul's brain. You know, I'm. I'm like you tonight. I got two pages of notes keeping up with him. <laughs> but I uh, want to give a shout out real quick to. Uh, Josh Martin in the chat for the Super Chat. Hey, we appreciate you supporting the stream, buddy. He said, uh, you see the Bills' new stadium is three months into build and already $300 million over budget, but yet fans want to talk trash about us buying stock. Isn't it funny how the Packers give us an opportunity to support our team, right? They say, hey, look, if you'd like an, a really cool piece of memorabilia, we're going to do a stock drive. We've been doing this since the 20s, right? And the fans kind of rally together and, and help the team out. That's just silly, stupid, and it's evil for the organization to ask the fans for money. But in these big cities, they force taxpayers to pay for the stadiums, and they don't have any choice. <laughs> that just always blows my mind. So, Josh, yeah, we're on the same page. And, again, thank you for the super chat. Again, Mike, thank you for the super chat as well, buddy. We appreciate the support. Let's start with you, Jacob. What was your uh, key takeaway there from Paul's, uh, Paul's assessment? And like I said, we covered a lot of things. We covered Jordan Love, update. We covered the defensive front seven. And then, of course, the pass catchers. What stood out to you the most, man? uh honestly
3: what was kind of funny just a random thing just as you talked about him being like an actual Packers beat reporter he gets to actually Mm -hmm. pose questions he's really in the mix and you asked him like if he gets nervous before the you know like what his regimen is you know we all know what like a player's regimen is like they probably have these rituals it's kind of interesting to think of uh the fact that that like a a reporter has like a regimen too it's like or somebody that covers the Packers they have like a pregame ritual and all that kind of stuff and um it's just I don't know. It's it's cool to get in the mind of somebody that covers them for for a living. And um, like I said, if you watch, uh, go to Paul's Twitter or X. God, I'm never going to get used to that. And it's um, he's got like you said, what to look for. And I read through that article. It's it's like perfect. Um, I kind of highlighted. It, I think yesterday where the battles that he was kind of looking at, and a lot of them are pretty obvious, but a lot of them are kind of just you know little subtle things and. Um, I don't know, man. I just really like the way that guy reports on the Packers. It's clear that he's a fan, Ron Right. Demonski. Um so, <laughs> 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 no, And Jason
6: don't. will. No, nah, let's not. Let's yeah, not. I mean,
3: kind of, yeah. yeah. But it's um, no, man. I mean, I just um, uh, it's just refreshing, I guess, to hear a guy that, like you said, I don't understand how he doesn't have more Twitter followers or more of a following because that dude's stuff is just it's to the point. It's succinct. It's it's very good. It's much like Andy Herman stuff. It's like there's no filler. You just get what you came for, and um, so did we. Uh, the practice today—was there a practice? Was it not really reported on, or was it just like basically a walkthrough kind of thing? Because it's pre-game. To me, it
6: looked like a day off. Uh, Tim may know the answer to that. If you do, Tim, just answer yes or no. Do you know if today there was a practice or a uh, or just a walkthrough day off? What was it in Cincy today? I can't
0: confirm, but I did hear yesterday in some of the post post practice interviews they were talking about a practice tomorrow. So I don't know if maybe they're doing some kind of walkthrough uh, tomorrow before the the game. Um, so I, I don't know if they practiced today or not. I would think they did at least something, but who knows?
6: Yeah, I, I think they're just kind of holding it close to the vest, right? That <laughs> seems to be the, the game plan this year. Mike in the chat said, love the rough stuff yesterday in practice. One thing this team must do is get more physical. I completely agree, man um it's what it's all about man football at the end of the day it comes down to who's going to smack the other one in the mouth like this mike roadhouse (laughs) so tim tell me what what was your big takeaway there from paul what stood out to you like i said man we talked jordan love we talked the defensive front seven i imagine you got excited when we talked defense but also we we covered the pass catchers as well what stood out to you both
0: you know, I wanted to go to the defense right away, but I, I did get excited when he talked about Jay Love because we were kind of talking about this um, in the last couple of weeks where he was talking about um, consistency with the the deep ball kind of being a weakness. And it's like, well, we've we kind of known that about Jay Love since since college, that uh, the, the deep balls, um, you know, and you brought up a great point. They're not under thrown. He's, he, he's tending to lead them a little longer, which is better. And clearly the issue is, is tweaking the accuracy. So he's getting the ball there. We just need to, you know, hone that touch. And and that's kind of like what I was talking about the last time we discussed this. So to hear Paul bring that up and, and to know that he's seeing that too, just makes me feel really good about QB one right now.
6: No, I completely agree. Completely agree. That was the big question as he was saying, and I was going, as long as they're overthrown, as long as they're overthrown. Right. And, and I know people got frustrated excuse me, with Aaron Rodgers when he would overthrow. But that's that's what that's all about, guys, like controlling that turnover differential. If you're going to miss, miss away from the defender. Don't hang one up there for him. Go ahead, Jacob.
3: No, I'm just trying to like – when I was trying to listen to that interview matching what my preferences, answers uh, would be as I'm listening to Paul, and we talked about what like what we like about Jordan Love, what we don't like about Jordan Love. I think it's very clear that at this point Jordan Love has shown that he has the footwork, he has the release, he's got the drop he's got he can read his progressions he seems like he can walk up to the line of scrimmage and pre-snap he can dictate the defense he can try to make some audibles some check downs the only part like like Paul talked about is the consistency Ryan talks about it all the time I have in my notes when I looked at it was the deep ball consistency and then overall consistency and it's like it sounds so simple but it's it's I, I don't know. This Jordan Love thing has been the same conversation I sent, I feel like since the day we drafted. It, it's like, we just don't know until we know. We just don't know. And it's like, literally When are oh. we going to know? <laughs> and then every, like Ryan talked about in his podcast multiple times, it's what well, we, we have went from, well, it's just mini camp. It's just OTAs. It's just preseason. It's just scrimmage. It's just week one. It's just the half, first half of the season. And then it's like, okay, then we can make our decision apparently, but. Yeah. Um, at this point, I'm encouraged by the way that he's. I, so here's what I wrote down: uh, footwork, reading defense as well, working through his progressions, release, and his overall leadership. That's a pretty good. And then the dislikes I had: deep ball accuracy and overall consistency. Like to me, that pretty much sums it up. And that's a big if. You know, we he has all these intangibles. He has all these weird traits that you know should make this guy, if he's firing on all cylinders, a top. 15 at least a top 10 maybe a top five quarterback of you know what freezes over so yeah. um, i'm excited
6: um bill in the chat says this carpenter make the 53 and i kind of couple this with eric sutherland's question as well he says how many safeties do you think we keep you know it's almost it almost feels like that safety room is so crowded they told carpenter look your only spot on this roster is if you can really be a special teams ace and you can play a little linebacker for us in an emergency pinch so Man, both of those are great questions. They really are. I'm not sure. Um, as far as safeties go, um, I think Dallin Levitt makes the roster. I think uh, I think Rudy Ford. I'm, I'm going to kind of go from the bottom and back to the top. I'm going to go Dallin Levitt for special teams purposes. I'm going to go Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, because we're paying him a fairly big chunk of money, right? And uh, let's see who else here. We've got um, – it's either Jonathan Owens or Tavarius Moore. It kind of feels like Tavarius Moore might have – might've screwed himself out of a roster spot here early on. I don't know. I don't know what the NFI was about early on, but well, you haven't heard his name at all, fellas. Have you Tim? Heard have you heard Tim? this is a great question for Tim. What was going on with Tarverius Moore when you were in green Bay, Tim?
0: Uh, very little. And the NFI, it was a back issue, wasn't it? Yeah. I think Didn't you do that? And, and coach yeah. LaFleur kind of made a kind of side out of the side of his neck kind of response when he was asked about it. Like, Oh, he hurt his back. You know, so maybe it was some off the field kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> clearly. I mean, it's if it's an NFI injury, so um, but I don't know if it's so much um, that issue as it has been the fact that we're hearing Jonathan Owens is playing at a high level so far, especially the last, I would say three to four practices yeah. um, of camp. So maybe it's more of just j o is stepping up into that role. And I mean, if you had if you held the gun to my head and said, "Who's your starters right now, Week One?" I, I would say Savage and Owens at this point. That's just my take on it.
6: That's sure what it feels like. Definitely what it feels like. We got Dakota in Tennessee on the line. Dakota, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm 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 doing good. How about y'all? Oh, we're doing great, man. Just hanging out with the great Paul Bredel, trying to trying to get a few tips here before we uh, kick off the first preseason game. Are you jacked up for tomorrow, bub?
7: Dude, I'm so jacked up. I don't think my – I called into Packer after dark and got really excited, and you'll probably hear it after the game. But, no, I, I actually came on here to to talk about safeties, and when I joined, I see that y'all were already talking about them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, that's that's what I'm really fired up about is is I want to watch the safeties. I want to watch the, uh, the I guess, outside linebackers. Is that what and, – and the – no, sorry, the defensive ends. That's what they're calling them.
6: Gotcha. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, it's one thing we didn't talk about with Paul and it's, it's because I I wanted to kind of see, you know, who's, who's standing out in that defensive front seven along with pass catchers, as opposed to, we know the safety room's a train wreck, right? So, um, you know, it's something that's definitely concerning, just like uh, our shower says in the chat. I remember when we lost Robinson back in the day, bad safety play can decimate a defense and we don't have much back there. Um, But, you know, one thing to think about too, our showers is, Dude, we can't, get, we can't get any worse than we were last year. I mean, we graded out at the absolute freaking bottom when it comes to PFF grades. And, and when I turn on the tape, it confirmed the PFF grades at the safety position. It really did. Um, Dakota, do you got anything else, any question, any comment, anything else you're excited about, Bub, before we let you go? We got Andy in the hopper here too, man. It's so good to hear from you.
7: No, that's fine. The, the one thing I wanted to say is, um, of course, you can't take much from it because, well, it's me saying it, but – I personally, <laughs> I personally think that um, they're going to have Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage doing similar job duties, but I, I don't see just because of what I saw Jonathan Owens and what he did last year, I don't see him doing more than I don't know what I would expect a uh, what's that called uh, hybrid linebacker type, just you know gap duties, uh, strong safety, uh, don't do much in coverage unless he's uh the second man covering. Um, So I, I just, I really don't see him unless, unless it's a Razul Davis or Roswell Douglas, sorry, Roswell Douglas type situation where he just kind of kills it once he joins us. But I don't really see him being able to be that, you know, free range safety type.
6: No, definitely. Yeah. And the thing that I worry about Dakota and, and you're spot on with that, you know, Jonathan Owens is a better, way better tackler than he is in coverage. And, and the way this, safety position works in this defense with Joe Barry is they're pretty much playing right and left safety. There's no longer strong and free safety. So all that's going to take is them flipping the formation to where that rotation, if we are in a cover three or a cover one man, that rotation has to come down on the strong side. And if that's the case, then guess who's going to be in coverage. It's going to be Jonathan Owens. Now they may have a game plan for that to where they can just call the signal out the way, uh, Rudy Ford will stay free range. Um, but I really don't see Jonathan Owens beating out Savage or Ford. I think what it really comes down to is Rudy or is uh, Darnell Savage and Keyshawn Nixon in the slot. Who plays the slot better, Keyshawn Nixon or Darnell Savage? If for some reason Darnell Savage has a better camp than Keyshawn Nixon, they say, you know what, Key, let's just stick with kick return. We're going to let Savage play that. Then maybe they work jonathan owens in or if they run a little big nickel so uh i'm with you man safety uh safety's fascinating for sure this year um good stuff hey dakota we appreciate you calling in man as always it's so good to talk to you
7: oh man absolutely i'll talk to y'all later
6: all right buddy have a good night man
7: all right all
6: right that was dakota in tennessee let's go to andy monday still stuck in kansas andy how you doing buddy
2: very excited about tomorrow night's game i mean for quite a few years it was wake me up in January because we knew they were going to make the playoffs and you know, some people like uh, are some-
6: like a green day song. Don't it Andy?
2: <laughs> I listen to way older music than that, but I, I guess, um, uh, try not to be any kind of idiot, let alone an American one. Um,
6: <laughs> I'll see what you did there. I,
2: yeah. I'm not as thick as you dumb. I am really. So with, uh, the preseason starting tomorrow, um, I've, I've been waiting to, to hear what people's opinion about the team is, especially around the, this ridiculous core of, well, they don't have Aaron Rodgers, so I guess they're not going to be very good. Now, if you see the reports coming out of camp, but Paul Brettel has been fantastic. And I'll get to uh, you know, some of his D-line talk because I was, I was excited that he talked about that. But if you take what you've heard after you've listened to that series, The Play Callers, you I, hopefully you realize, and uh, and if there are people that haven't heard that that uh, podcast, do that because it should erase from your mind the well. We don't we don't have this guy anymore. I know. Don't worry about that. What we do have, according to that five you know five part uh, podcast, we have the offensive scheme and the defensive scheme that are both the schemes that people want. Yep. Both of the schemes. Now some would say, well. How come it didn't work? Now, Clayton, you've been doing a, a, a very vigilant job as far as saying to people, "Look, it was the Matt Lafleur offense last year. So, what's changed?" I think we have better pieces. And and as I was listening, you know, to to that and thinking, listening to that podcast and thinking about the reports, the if the schemes are fine, how come last year didn't work out? And I'd like it to be like the answer to be that we didn't have the pieces just think through the the offensive wide receiver tight end weapons coming into this year compared to last year yeah like that's going to make a huge difference in there and and the very end of that podcast says the running game isn't going away which is funny because a couple weeks ago it was like well the running game doesn't matter both of those are coming out in the the same offseason like okay well which one And I go back to this little stat. Matt LaFleur has been coaching our team for four years. Two of those years, we've rushed over 2,000 yards a year. And one of them, a third, you know, a third of, or one of those seasons, it's been over 1,900 yards a year. Now, what does that mean? Well, in all of McCarthy's time, we ran over 2,000 yards once. During Mike Sherman's time, I think it was once or twice. And Mike Holmgren's time, zero. So just in four seasons, we've had two seasons, 2,000 yards or or, or more. And I've also been thinking, I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you here, Jacob, your fantasy podcast the other day about the over-under with Aaron Jones and and A.J. Dillon. Yeah. uh, There's no way that those numbers are high enough. Because if an offense is running 60 to 65 plays a game, and Jordan love is not going to be and, and if Jordan love is not going to be throwing 35 times a game well all the other plays are run plays
3: no I agree um that's just just real quick and I'll let you get back to your um, your <laughs> there yeah like I I really do think that when you look at the the over under for the season stats they're sleeping on Green Bays every single one of their positions Jordan loves uh, I believe they have him at like 33. Hundred yards passing. I, I mean, that's that's fair, but it's. I think he can blow past that. I think Aaron uh, Aaron Jones was around like nine hundred ish. I believe it was AJ was around like 850 ish. I'm within probably fifty or, or hundred yards. But then they also the biggest thing I thought was most criminal. They had Christian Watson at five and a half touchdowns for the season. Right. For the season, and he's
6: games go last bet. year. He'll put the
3: mortgage down on a bet. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that.
6: disclaimer
3: Andy, you got to get back in you got to get in that
2: league dude how come you're not in there
6: come on andy get in the fantasy league dude we got i'm trying to work
2: out the i'm trying to work out the other fantasy league that i'm in and that one's kind of floundering so i've been recruiting people for that more than than anything else but
6: here's um, what you need to do here's what you need to do to that uh to that other fantasy league roadhouse <laughs> yeah. Kick him to the curb, Andy. Crazy him for
2: Swayze—that's for sure. Yeah,
6: you got that right.
2: Was you Was Rob Lowe like, in that movie? In
6: Roadhouse? In, Road, in Roadhouse? Yeah. Was Pretty Boy? Guys uh, the, uh, I don't know, man. That's a good question. I should know okay. that. Um, I just, I'm just always here wondered. For the I don't care for the just, Pretty Boys. Scene. I'm here for the five scene. That's it. I've always wondered if he'd be in a
2: movie where he's a thief and he like goes after the big box hardware stores because then we could all ask how many loads could Rob Lowe, Rob, if Rob Lowe could Rob Lowe's. I just You're think out that
1: of
2: here, that's, Okay, I'm going to chart some stuff tomorrow night about D line play and, you know, the offensive uh, formations and stuff. And then, uh, I don't know, just kind of focus in on that and, and, and see how our pieces fall because boy, if the scheme is right and they think we're going to be bad, that means that they that people think that that our pieces are all wrong. And I just think that that's doing. Give me the evidence where they're horrible, because that's that's really what it is. I mean, we're going to have the offensive production just based on the evidence of the efficiency from the running backs, the variations that our other weapons can do, the the. offensive line which I think is really coming and is being solidified by by the coaching staff and the only way we're not going to make those statistical you know those statistical heights is if we don't run enough plays and the only reason we wouldn't run enough plays is if our offense never moves the ball otherwise the plays are going to be there and the efficiency it's just math it's really all that 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 is yeah so well tomorrow is not going to show all of that tomorrow is going to show a few things and no, but let's it's just football, get it started. Andy.
6: It is football, my friend.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> well, been we
6: great. We appreciate you calling in, bud. Anything else?
2: Okay. Uh, I got to rest my voice. I talk a lot.
6: Nope. No, you we'll Hey, thanks, thanks for again. calling in, buddy. Andy. That's Andy. All right. In All right. All right. Let's get back to the chat here. Um that, that, Let's see that, here.
3: That SOB had me checking my phone. I'm like, dude,
6: Rob Lowe. It's Rob Lowe.
7: And <laughs> well, in the chat. We, had a
6: comp- we had a confirmation <laughs> here. Uh, let's see who it was. I'm trying to think here. Jeff in the chat. Jeff bringing all the facts. He said no, Lowe was not in Roadhouse. I didn't think he was. He was in one of those old school movies like Outsiders or something like that, where Patrick Swayze. Yeah. So Jeff anyway, that's the Rob
0: Lowe. Rob Lowe did play a thief in Tommy Boy, though. If you remember he did. that, he,
6: oh, he did. That awesome. You're right yeah look at that stuff you don't get this on other podcasts i'm sorry deep dives here guys (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness 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 all right let's see here uh let's go to the chat right here let's see what uh our buddy garrett has to say he says go back and watch last year's season opener versus chicago aaron jones had two touchdowns in the first half i truly believe the pack can do even better against the bears defense this year the Packers' offense is much faster now, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, that's the thing, too. Like, it, it was what Andy was talking about, too. He did a really good job. Great job. Great call, Andy. Um, talking about how this these aren't the same – the same weapons, the same receivers, the same, you know, and people go, yeah, they are. No, they're they're not. They've got one full year under their belt. They've got another training camp under their belt and they, they, they don't have to worry about the curve of learning the terminology, learning the checks, all those things. And, and they've gotten now two off season. Well, I want to say two off seasons, but two mini camps and two training camps working with Jordan love because we know, that you know, Aaron didn't plug into the off-season program. I think you're gonna—they're gonna come out and surprise people. And Jacob, when you talk about 3,300 yards passing, man, I'm sorry, dude, that seems criminally low.
3: Yeah, it, as you're sitting here talking, I just had this weird epiphany just hit me. So literally, let's—we could break it down. We don't have to take a ton of time, but you could break down every single positional group on this team, barring the quarterback. I think it's a clear and without any argument that we've gotten better at each position i'll think about it running back you'd argue that the only way you could get better is if your third running back is better than the other one i, I would argue that even if goodson or i i would argue that's an improvement slight i know but an improvement we don't have a fullback let's not talk about it tight end 100 percent improvement we got two brilliant fast tight ends and we have Daguara, who's somewhat of a um you know, a veteran slash H-back who can maybe fill that fullback role. Look at the offensive line. There's no reason to believe that we're not stronger this year going into week one than we were last year. That's 100% true. No question. Yeah. You look at the defensive side of the ball. Edge, uh, edges. Even if Rasan Gary is not healthy for week one, we have Van S and we have a crazy good deep lineup right now. A deep rotation. Interior defensive line, clearly better. We got – we lost – uh, lowry and and jerron reed like i said not talking smack but we have wyatt brooks wooden guys that are hungry middle linebacker we have a healthy quay or i'm sorry a mentally healthy quay and a physically healthy devondre you look at corners we've got more healthy corners that are of more experience with a couple new great rookies safety maybe you could argue is not quite an improvement but we don't know so it's a it's it's like ryan always says uh, the uh not knowing is not a negative it just means it's unknown yeah. Our special teams, I'd argue, maybe takes a step back because of Anders. But other than that, dude, this is a team that's improving. So it is really on Jordan Love's shoulders. And I hate to put more pressure on him, but it really is. If this guy can even be decent, I really think that this could be crazy sneaky. I, again, I'll say it, 10 wins. If we hit 10 wins, just statistically, that's when we make the playoffs. Maybe it's 11 because of the added game this year. But I, I think we can get there. I really do.
6: Yeah. Definitely, Tim. We're gonna to go to you next, buddy. You just sitting over there listening like a like a good soldier, man. I swear we haven't forgotten about you. Right, <laughs> um, um, we got a question here in the chat uh, from PZ ZRVP. Say that three times fast, Clayton. There are ways to cover for weaknesses in defense. How can the Packers cover for the weakness of safety? You got two elements, in my opinion. I'm gonna call you Peasy. All right, easy Peasy, lemon squeezy. So there's two two elements to the safety play in this particular type of defense. Obviously, you've got to be able to play catch man. you got to be able to play man match um, within, this, uh, within this Joe Barry defense. I'm trying to think of how to word it where I don't try to sound like I'm trying to sound intelligent here. Essentially, the safeties in most cases, once the receiver breaks the seven-yard threshold, they are now matched up on the number two receiver. Unless the number two receiver goes shallow and the one crosses his face – then everything changes, okay? And you've got different different elements to this from mod to meg, uh, the apex defenders' assignments change, whether it's zone match, man match, all these things. But to answer your question, it's right there at pre-snap is the answer to your question. Putting those two safeties on the shelf and playing that quarter's coverage, what you're doing is you're showing the same exact look pre-snap, and that prevents the quarterback from gathering information pre-snap. It, it's, it's simply why – Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, some of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game want to get to the line quick and they want to read the defense out until the last possible second of the play clock. That's why a lot of those guys aren't very fond of this type of offense because you've got to take into consideration pre-snap motion, all of those things. So when you're looking at it from the defense's perspective, you don't want to tip that hand. You don't want to give that quarterback any information on the front side. The ball snapped. And and here's the other thing. The majority of the offenses in the league now are, are this Shanahan-style offense. When you're under center and you're running play-action, what do you got to do every play-action play? You've got to turn your back to the defense and then come back around. If when you snap the ball, the defense is in a look, and then by the time you turn back around, they're in a different look, it causes chaos, right? It's, it's really – It's complexity with the illusion of simplicity as opposed to on offense. It's simplicity with the illusion of complexity, if that makes sense. So um, I know there's not a lot of Barry fans. I know Mike's one here in the chat. Mike, dude, I respectfully disagree, and and it's totally cool. I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. When I turn on the tape, I don't go, Joe Barry's a moron. I go, these guys aren't tackling. These guys are blowing coverage. You know, When I see multiple defenders look at each other on the tape and go, what are you doing? That tells me I'm not a bright man, but that tells me somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. Therefore, how can we even begin to grade this defense if they're not in the right place? Now, to Mike's defense in the chat, who's whose responsibility is it to coach these guys up, Tim? It's it is Joe Barry, right? So you've got to put some of that some of that blame on Joe because it's it's their responsibility to get them ready. I'm just I'm a little more lenient towards Joe Barry, because they're not treating these defenders like kids. Like okay, we've got to coach them and show them every little thing. Because we've said it all off-season long. Tim, there's a bunch of for, bunch of first rounders on this defense, right, man?
0: Absolutely. And you know, to to get even simpler, I mean, what's a great way to uh, to prevent to, or to go back to the original question? What's a great way to cover up for weaknesses at the safety position? I don't know. Have a absolute gang of monsters on your defensive front that are not giving these quarterbacks the time to get the ball out. If you can't get the ball out, I mean, the the safety's going to pick his nose all afternoon because there's not going to be a whole lot of work back there. So, um, and as far as Joe Barry, man, anyone who, who is in that camp of, you know, and, and again, I, I respectfully disagree with the, the Joe Barry haters just like you. Um, come to a camp, come to a practice. Joe Barry is extremely engaged with these players. Um, I was watching a lot of the drills last week and, um, you know, he was playing middle linebacker on a lot of these drills with, uh, you know, the D line and the O line and just working across the different groups. And, you know, he's engaged as a coach. So if if there's any doubt in your mind that he's getting these guys ready to play, I mean, you, you can literally see it. And, you know, to finish the point, Jair said it himself in the interview. Right. you know players got to make plays just like like i always say man players got to make plays and they they made a lot of excuses last year and you know maybe it's one of those things where guys didn't you know they weren't watching enough film or they weren't putting in that extra that extra prep needed to to know where you're supposed to be and what your responsibilities are because in the blink of an eye on the field it it can all change you you, you got to know so
6: yeah I mean, and if you if you pay attention to like all of those excuses that were being made. Right. And, and when you see the mistakes on the back end, Jerry gray left, right. He went to Atlanta, right. Mm-hmm. It's obvious he didn't see eye to eye with this. Okay. Well he was coaching the DBs. Like, come on, dude, you you got to accept some responsibility too. Right. And, and they seem to love Jerry gray, but, uh, um, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it unfolds for sure. Coda's got a great question here in the chat. He says there was a bunch of hype about our defense coming out of camp last year. What are the big differences going into this season? You know, the, the hype that I remember personally, Coda, one the first I'm just gonna mention the first thing that comes to mind. I remember people talking about Devontae Wyatt in training camp last year, right? They were they were talking about how quick he was off the line. Man, this guy, he looks like he's gonna he's gonna be great. And then he couldn't get on the freaking field. So that's where I do blame the coaches, and this goes back to Mike's point, is like, why did we hold Devontae Wyatt back so much instead of turn him loose? And I think that answer is probably um, – I'm not trying to use him as a scapegoat. You guys know I love Aaron Rodgers. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. I, you know, I appreciate everything he's ever done for the organization. But that whole mentality last year was, hey, we're trying to win now. If we think these guys starting gives us just one one-tenth of a percent of a chance – to play a little bit better football today as opposed to two weeks from now by getting people snaps now, we're going to stick with those starters. I think that answers the question. This year, I think you're going to turn those guys loose like Lucas Musgrave, which we we know they're going to get a good solid rotation. So to answer your question, Coda, to me, man, it seemed like they were holding some people back, right? I mean, think about it this way too, and I don't want to get on a bash fest uh, for, the, for the coaches, whether it's LaFleur, uh, Basaccia, or Joe Barry, but, man, when you go back and watch the first quarter of that season, Coda, it's hard to stomach the thought of Amari Rodgers returning kicks and Keyshawn Nixon blocking for him. But that's what the (laughs) tape was showing. So it's like I think that's going to be the difference with this defense this year is they're going to turn the young guys loose. I think you're going to see Carl Brooks. I don't think they're going to hold Carl Brooks. I think you'll see Carl Brooks get more snaps this year than Devontae Wyatt did last year. If that makes sense, I think they'll give him more opportunities because he seems to flash. And you heard Paul Brettel, man. He brung his name up, Jacob. He, he mentioned Carl Brooks by name there again. That's one name that just keeps. And there's, there's multiples, right? I mean, you got, you got, Wyatt, you, you got Kenton Valentine, you got Carl Brooks, you got these guys that are later round picks that seem to be flashing, don't they?
3: Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's very encouraging. <clears throat> and one thing again that I'll reiterate that you said we had Devontae Wyatt. He was shining last year, he's shining this year. The difference is is that there's not two veterans that we've already paid a, sum, a lump sum of money to that are going to take 1,200 snaps away from the interior defensive line. Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry had 1,200-plus snaps between the two of them. Imagine if you even disperse those equally between Lowry or – I'm sorry, Lowry – between Wyatt, uh, between Wooden, and between Brooks. I mean, and like you said, these aren't just – these aren't just one or two things that you hear in camp it's every day why it looks like a freak i saw some extended footage from the Bengals uh scrimmage well whatever you want to call it joint practice yesterday why it was a freak he was a freak If, if if there was not a um basically a rule that you don't you know that you don't touch the quarterback you don't even really follow through with your initial you know, your initial get off, you, you pull off and you just throw your hands off and basically fall away, and then they complete the pass and they call it a completed pass in your in their notes. But we had multiple with White and Brooks where if you let that thing go 100%, those dudes are getting flattened down. And it was, I looked, it was Jake Browning, it was also Trevor Simeon who they have on their roster now. So, again, yeah. not not necessarily as far as, like, the who's who, but they're, Trevor Simeon's a, he's, he's a veteran quarterback, you know, if anything, you'd think that if I still think it's time to pump the brakes and say that the Packers have a wonderful defense. We're going to be amazing. Everything. We, we definitely need to see what it looks like Friday night. And just like Ryan said, then we got to look to week two of preseason and week three, we don't know nothing yet until it's, you know, week one, but then it's just week one. So, you know, week two and so on and so forth. It's just going to be a snowball of emotional, just craziness. We're going to all go, we're going to live in, we're just going to, yeah it's going to be a rough yeah. ride but hopefully i'm like i said if we finish this year and if we can get packer fans in that the mental headspace to think that a 8 wins uh a 8 win season is a good year then i think we'll have a good year i think we'll all be less stressed but if if you can't if we can't tap into like that probably i, I hate to say it but like 80% of packer fans that if they see 8 and 9 or you know what i mean it's they're going to be like yeah. fire everyone burn the place <laughs> down pee on the ashes <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it needs to be restarted no we need to think that like an eight win season is a really it's a that's a good year it's a good year so we have to be humble enough to accept that but definitely
6: definitely all right guys so everybody in the chat this i wanted to I wanted to try to do this tonight okay go ahead and cut the chat off I, I don't want you guys wasting your time chatting when we get to this point because we've got to start wrapping the show up. I want to make sure I get to everybody's comments. So I don't want you to feel like, oh man, he didn't he didn't get to my comment at the end. So just we're gonna kind of read what we got left here and get ready to wrap this thing up. I got a couple of film uh, film tapes I want to show you guys as well. That's kind of kind of cool. Um Kevin in the chat said, Love the show. Boys Jacob, always at least one diatribe that gets me so excited for Packers football. I completely agree. Um in the chat says uh, see the new Choking Bears logo, uh, furrowed brow, mouth open, gasping for air. Only only way <laughs> it could be better is if it were the Vikings purple. I love it. Hey, since you brought that up, let me get to the rest of these chats real quick and, and remind me I'm going to show you guys something to do with Justin Fields' of stats here in a second. Uh, Kevin Rogers, thanks for keeping us uh, Alaskan Packer, uh, Packers up to date and informed. I hey, appreciate you listening from Alaska, man. That's awesome. Eric in the chat, keep hearing that we need to bring in a couple veterans. I disagree. Let those young cats roll and see what we got. I'm on board with it now, man. I've been kind of hesitant with that uh, that opinion as well. Um, Stan's stands the man in the chat says, how many 300-plus yard games do you think Love will have this year? Rodgers didn't even have one last year. Plus, do you think LaFleur has learned his lesson in the hot hand take at, uh, at running back? Um, I think – I think this year they're going to kind of turn Aaron Jones loose. I really do. I think they're going to kind of lean on him a little bit more. I know some of these guys uh, here with Packernet, they're like, man, run them till the wheels fall off. But I would, I'm not saying that. But I think we will see the most Aaron Jones we've ever seen this year. I think they'll just kind of turn them loose. I believe that. Uh, our shower says, I engaged with a lot of never mind, we ain't reading that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't show them before you read them. We love you, showers, but – we got kids (laughs) listening, buddy. Um, If this defense – this is Mike in the chat. If this defense uh, fails again, it's not the players that are going to pay the price. It's Joe, fair or not. That is a fact, Mike. That is an absolute fact there, buddy. Mm -hmm. Fair or not. If they don't perform this year, Joe is probably – Matt's going to get a lot of pressure to get rid of Joe. There's no doubt about it. Uh, The defense balled. This is uh, be the hammer. The defense balled in 2021, but nobody wants to give Joe credit for that. See, that's the thing, too. Nobody was talking about. We were coming into 2022, fellas, and everybody was just talking about how awesome Joe Barry is in this defense. We get through the first quarter of the season, and literally Tony Romo is on the live broadcast going, this might be the best defense in the league. We forget about that, right? And then, of course, we finished the last quarter of the year very strong. So it was just that middle that was – Man, it was hot garbage. There's no doubt about it. Um, Jeff in the chat says, "I hear what you're saying on Joe Barry. My thing is, then produce. He has never produced even an average defense with the talent he has uh, has this year. It is do or die. No more defense. Uh, no more defense for Joe Barry. Get it done. You make a good point, Jeff. Everywhere he's went, they really uh, the numbers have been bad. There's no doubt about that. All right, let me do this. We're over the hour, Mark. I probably shouldn't do it." I'm gonna do it anyway. I want to show y'all some film here in a second, but I thought this was cool. Um, this stat here. Let me let me just share the screen to make it easier for you guys. I want you to see this. This is freaking. This is wild. So you know the Johnny Manziel documentaries out right, and everybody's talking about just how horrible <laughs> quarterback Johnny Manziel was. Look at this comparison. This came from at clap Dan said Johnny Johnny Manziel's career stats: 193 yards per game. Oh Justin God. Fields. Justin Fields is what'd you say, Jacob? it's
1: just bad that's yeah. just really so bad
6: johnny menzel's yards per game 193 justin fields 165 one touchdown per game for johnny menzel 0. 0.96 touchdowns for justin fields 2.7 percent interception percentage 3.6 for justin fields um what does rt even mean i'm trying to think here oh what would that be? Uh, rating Rating. Rating. okay so it might be okay so it's just rating as opposed to QBR oh, no,
3: QBR yeah i think that's what it is well
6: they 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 do have two different ones they got like quarterback rating and then yeah. and then uh yeah so 74.4 for Johnny Manziel it's uh 79.7 for Justin Fields QBR 52.4 um <laughs> for uh Johnny Manziel it's 42.9 for Justin Fields yeah. win percentage for Johnny Manziel, only 0.2% win percentage for Justin Fields. Was Johnny Manziel was a better quarterback than Justin Fields has been to this point in his career. Now, again, you guys have heard me say it. It's early. It's early. Justin Fields could turn out to be a good quarterback. I'm not writing that off. But there is absolutely zero evidence that suggests that at the moment. And it's just amazing that the mainstream media overlooked that. All right. I'm going to go to my program here. I want to show you guys just a couple of things and we're going to get out of here. We got to make this quick because we were way over on time. Let me share the screen here. And you guys confirm that you can see this, please. Gotcha. All right, cool. Let's zoom, let's zoom it in a little bit. Let's get let's get funky here. All right. So this is the throw that we showed you guys yesterday, right? This was Jordan Love. You guys remember me saying he looked the safety off? how he stayed looking left. I tried to zoom in right there to show you guys that, and then last second snaps back right because he was going up against cover one man, right? So here's a better view that the Packers released today. Check this out. Watch his face. Left, left, left. Here's the hitch. Now he's right. Holds the safety to the center of the field, and look at his throw. Right on the money, dude. Right on the freaking money. Right.
0: He wears (laughs) number 10 because he throws dimes
6: i love it dude i love it check this out this is cool too watch him celebrate right you got his boy christian watson there Come on up. I, love, I apologize look there's christian right now look at this Jaden reed right that tells you those three guys were in the route uh the route combination right the route concept so now look at the next one look right here that's luke musgrave musgrave so yeah. your 11 personnel was Jaden reed over samori torre Luke Musgrave over to Guara whoever else, Tyler Davis. So that's going to be your number one tight end. This is going to be your number three receiver. Dobbs was the one catching the deep pass, not Christian Watson, not the speed demon Jaden Reed, not Mr. 21-mile-an-hour Luke Musgrave. It was Dobbs over the top against cover one man, which means they probably drew some attention underneath to Christian Watson. I just thought that was cool. Now, defensive line play. This is where it gets fun, all right? This first video right here, is kenny clark i want you to key in right here on number 75 okay right here that's kenny clark okay and he's going to be in a four tech this is that look that tight look is what they're practicing here a 944-9. Nine, four, four, nine. kenny's going to be playing a four tech which is directly over top of the tackle all right and i want you to watch him right here watch him he's going to punch his chest swat and swim and then use the old reggie white hump move and i want you to look where the old line ends up here guys i'm going to zoom in see him over to the left look at this punch Right. And look look at that. Look at the SWAT and swim. Right. Here's the SWAT. He's going to swim over the top with the other arm. Now watch this. Here's the hump move. Look where the old lineman ends up losing. Look. And this poor guy right here that has zero calf muscles. Zero calf muscles playing quarterback. <laughs> right. He's the look look how close Kenny is. He's dead. He is dead. <laughs> and that was in no time, too. Like that quarterback's gonna have to sidestep left. And he still humps him out of the way, no pun intended. There you go, all right. So, moving on to the next play. That, again, that was uh, that was our boy Kenny, right? Next play here, we got Devontae White rep. All right, yes. what I want you to focus in on is on the right side here. He's going to be over in this area right here. 74 is kind of covering him up, okay? I don't know what Mini-Me is doing here, but 74 is going to be covering him up, all right? Check it out. It's another tight look. He's going to be in the four tech directly over the tackle. A nine four four nine is what they're mimicking here. Although all the linemen aren't on the field, that's what they're practicing. You're going to see a bull rush and then a speed to the inside. Watch, watch real close there next to Devon, next to seventy four. Look at this bull rush. Watch the lineman number sixty one right there. Watch yep. his feet. Look at him. Now watch and and he he literally bull rushes him and then just speeds inside. Sack. Look at this. Look at the guy flinch. Look at no calfs flinch right there. Oh crap. <laughs> right beautiful rep beautiful rep by white absolutely gorgeous all right let's go on to the next one this next one right here is Preston Smith now when you talk about that tight front nine four four nine Preston is playing the wide nine right here okay and he's going to be off the right side of the screen it's going to be hard to see him it's going to it's going to twitch a little bit here as I adjust the height but you're going to see him come off the edge I want you to watch what Preston does here man An absolute bull rush he wins low. He stays low, and watch how his feet stay on track with the quarterback. Watch this bull rush, bang! Look at the lean. Look, look at his feet going straight to the quarterback. And by the way, that's a hold. That's getting called yes. nine out of ten times as a hold, right? Preston absolutely dominates that rep. All three of those plays, guys, that we just showed you in those in those one-on-one blocking or whatever, all three of them, our guys absolutely dominate. Kenny out of the four tech Devontae wide out of the four tech Preston out of the wide nine. And, and listen, the Bengals don't have a great offensive line. I'm not going to sit here and pretend they do, but that is an NFL offensive line trying to put in decent work in training camp. And they got dominated. Go ahead, Jake.
3: No, um, if so, I've, I've watched that sequence. It's a really cool drill. If you look at it because it's basically your starting five offensive linemen, and, and then they take a drill, they take your left. Well, uh stage right you know audience left however you want to say it you start with your edge defender they do a one-on-one they go to like you know your <clears throat> your dn and then they go to your nose and, and vice versa but if you actually stopped and watched the beginning justin holland's actually won his first battle off the edge and then it went to i believe who was your first clip that you showed us uh uh kinney yeah and then it went to devon uh, Devonte wyatt and then erno i'm sorry i think it went to slayton and slayton was maybe the only one that you could argue. slayton yeah didn't quite win, but he didn't lose. If anything, like if it's if that quarterback's holding the ball for you know a two or three second drop, he's gonna still get there. So I would argue the only one that maybe didn't make that play and win that one on one would be Slayton, but even then, he still was pushing that pocket. So and then, like I said, Mac was it Mac? No, Justin Hollins. That's not trusting. Justin Hollins, yeah, 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 he, he won his rep too. He won his rep too. So, like you said, we're not going against uh the end-all be-all of offensive lines here, but it's really encouraging to see them making those yeah. strides.
6: Tim, what would you think about that defensive tape, man?
0: Um, I think it's awesome and it's poetic because when I watch those clips, especially of Wyatt and Kenny Clark, it's literally all the stuff that I was trying to document last week after practice that this D-line group stays late. Kenny Clark is – the first one over there leading that group. And that's exactly what they were working on, on the sleds, man. They were, they were bull rushing and getting off the block like repeatedly. And and every single time Kenny was showing these guys technique. And so now we watch it in a joint practice when it's not our guys that they're working against. And it's not a tackling dummy that they're working against. And you literally see this already translating to the field. It just, it gives me goosebumps, man. Those are, those are great, clips right there that you broke down Clayton that's just a perfect example of what I saw with my own eyes man it's crazy
6: it's awesome I love it Jeff said Kenny had that guard looking like a drunken sailor (laughs) 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 and uh, there is football on right now so we're gonna wrap this thing up but Eric says this Texans Patriots game is like watching paint dry (laughs) Jeff said um, they are setting up these linemen with their speed and then transitioning to power Then they, uh, when they have them up high and off balance. Love it. Yeah, great, great center of gravity for sure. Um, Jeff, appreciate the kind words, buddy. Say Clayton, nice work and share it. Love it. Um, they look – Our Shower says they look beastly in those reps. Nice detailed analysis. Appreciate it, man. And then, of course, Mike uh, Mike in the chat says great detailed coverage, fellas. Nice work as always. Hey, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Um, we're going to wrap this thing up. Before I do, I thought this was cool. You guys know DJ Reader um, was the one that uh, that Elton Jenkins absolutely pimp slapped. All right, so he came out. And here's a quote Ryan Wood posted. He actually tweeted this of Ryan Wood on Twitter. He said, um, Bengals defensive tackle DJ Reader – Uh, Might not not be Elton Jenkins' biggest fan, but he was impressed with Jordan Love today. Quote, he seemed more confident under center. He seemed like he was feeling good. The offense was doing what it was doing. He was having a good day. He looked decent back there. He wasn't just running to take off, wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was trying to go through his reads. We did a good job of staying off of him. Um, I thought he was decent. He had a good demeanor back there. I look at a lot of quarterbacks and see what they've got going on, especially because I'm right there on the ball. He has a good demeanor and things like that. So I thought that was pretty cool, man. And that's that's now about the I think the fourth or fifth defender that's played against Jordan Love, that's bragged on Jordan Love, like, hey, this dude, this dude can play, this dude can ball. So uh again, you gotta put it on the field when it's a real game and a real regular season game. I completely understand that. But I think things are looking up. Um all right, let's wrap this thing up, Jacob. You got any important thoughts, buddy?
3: No, nah, man. Like I said, just um, let's get excited for tomorrow. Let's all maybe try to. Is uh, Ryan doing a watch party? It sounded like possibly.
6: He was, he was going to try to, I don't want to, I don't want to answer for him. Um, If I had to
3: to look out for that, if it's, yeah.
6: Yeah. Well, if it's at all possible, we're going to do one, but again, he's got, got a lot going on, so it may not happen. Um, It's something he wants to do for sure. And I know, I know a lot of people would like to hang out. That would be awesome. I know I would enjoy hanging out. So uh, we'll keep you guys posted on that for sure. If it does uh come to be this week. If not, maybe it'll be next week. But when it does, we'll make sure you guys know. We'll blast it out on Twitter and all that good stuff. Uh Tim, do you got any uh, any parting thoughts, buddy?
0: Bunch nasty X, baby. <laughs> Let's go. We're gonna make t-shirts, Clayton. We're gonna get Scoot on there and Musgrave and got to do bunch nasty X t shirts, man. It's gonna be awesome. Be go pack go, baby. Tomorrow it's on and cracking.
6: Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Again, I want to thank Mike in the chat for the super chat. Thank you so much, Mike Hebering, man. We really appreciate the support. Josh Martin, thank you so much for the super chat. You guys are awesome. Thank you to everyone in the chat. You guys always bring the thunder. It, it makes it such a better show when you guys are in there commenting. You guys bring the uh, the humor. And i tell you what, man, every time I chat with you guys, whether it's Jacob or Tim, uh, obviously Paul Brettle. Ryan, um, Jake Shavink from It's Always Draft Season podcast, on and on and on. And especially, like I said, you guys in the chat, I'm always learning something too, man. That's what this show's all about, us just being uh, you know, insanely loyal Packer fans, trying to learn the game at a different level and learn it together. I will say this, yesterday we hit an all-time high in live viewers of uh, 56 viewers. Tonight we hit 58, and then we jumped to 60. So the new record for the live stream is 60 that we hit tonight. So thank you all for dropping in. If you don't care, hit that subscribe button. Don't worry about notifications. We don't want to bother you every time we post a video or go live. If you want to turn it on, great. We're just trying to get those subs up so we can help get the channel recognized so other Packer fans can find us for sure. Also, in the upper left corner, scan that QR code. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube and you're like, man, I'd like to hear this in podcast form, Scan that QR code in the upper left. It's going to take you to Packernet Podcast. And what's cool about that is you're going to find way better podcasts on there than this show here just by scanning that QR code, man. We've got some awesome stuff going on over there. Got Jacob with the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. You got Ryan Schlip with Packernet Podcast. Been my favorite podcast now for about four years running. And uh, Jake Shevink, it's always draft season podcast on and on and on. So make sure you check that out, gang. We're going to get out of here. We went way over. Appreciate everybody in the chat. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go. It's the power
5: sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play on in our, in our offense. We tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, we drive down on the first man who is inside. Pullback, we tell him to take the first man outside the offensive tackle. No one shows. He goes right by this and feels inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.